Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. In business, every decision you make is a risk. Some risks are small, others have more serious consequences. For example, before you spent millions of dollars designing and building a new car, it would be good to know if it's the size and shape of car that people want or need. Before you open a neighborhood po'boy shop, it would be good to know if people in that neighborhood eat po'boys. The best hedge against risk would be a time machine. You could go into the future and see how things turned out if you did A instead of B. Until that technology exists, we rely on other methods of prediction. These methods have various incarnations and names from random sampling to AI. One of the country's leading software companies specializing in this kind of predictive information gathering is called Lucid. Lucid is right here in New Orleans. Lucid is also in New Delhi, London, New York City, Sydney, Australia, Dallas, Singapore, and San Paulo, Brazil. They have 330 employees, and 150 of them are here in New Orleans, including the Chief Revenue Officer of Lucid, Andy Ellis. Andy, welcome out to lunch. Thank you, Peter. Good to be here. Even a software company that deals in information and knowledge needs an office space and office equipment. And even when we talk about something that sounds as ephemeral as the cloud, what we're actually talking about are pieces of machinery in physical places. All of these physical workspaces need human beings to design, build, and maintain them. Some organizations do it themselves. Others outsource this to specialists. The world's leading provider of physical resource management solutions is a company called Accruent. Accruent has over 10,000 customers in over 150 countries. As you might imagine, they're involved in every kind of business, including healthcare, retail, manufacturing, and even education. In June 2018, Accruent opened an office here in New Orleans. So far, they've hired 67 people. They're looking to hire a total of 350. The director of Accruent New Orleans is Johnny Culpepper. Johnny, welcome out to lunch. Thanks so much, Peter. Glad to be here. This is going to be fun. It is. <laughs> Andy, the last time we talked about Lucid on Out to Lunch was 2014. Patrick Comer was here visiting us. Uh, back then, we were talking about the impressive success of the company, which at that time was called Federated Sample. Now, even with the greatest market research available, I'm not sure you guys could have predicted the kind of meteoric success that your company is experiencing. Before we get to everything that's happened over the last few years, I'd like to be able to make it absolutely clear to people what it is you do at Lucid. When my phone rings and someone says, do you have a few minutes to answer some questions? Is it that kind of thing that Lucid does? Or does information gathering use more sophisticated tools these days? Yeah, I think it's it's that, um, and it's in its core element, but it's a little bit more modern than that. So, number one, most of those engagements have moved away from the telephone and onto online. Um, and then number two, uh, also with the various 
information that we collect when basically we think of ourselves as connecting questions and answers, right? We have businesses, you have people, you have whatever who have questions, um, and how do you get those answered? And so when we look to provide answers, we have to go out to a, a network of suppliers, in our case, who have great reach into respondent base. Um, and so in that case, the, the information that we get, we can also compile that information over time. So we have hundreds of millions of people who have literally come to our platform to get matched to a survey. Um, and they have answered a lot of information about their age, their gender, their income, where they live, uh, do they drive a BMW, do they you know, use uh, Charmin toilet paper, uh, anything you can imagine. And so um, in, in that case, we remember all the information uh, that we've asked people about. And so we can build a very robust profile on those hundreds of millions of people around the world that come to our site. And so now not only can we ask the survey questions and, and attempt to match somebody to a survey for the benefit of like a Nielsen or a J.D. Power and Associates would be another example. But we can also use that data warehouse that we have to answer other questions that don't even have to be asked. Um, so a, an example would be advertising. Um, when you run an online advertisement, you typically do a billion person or more campaign. Those advertisers, and more specifically the publishers, would like to know, are they hitting the core audience that they're after? we can match our data store to their campaigns and determine if they're hitting their core audience or not. So we don't have to call anybody, we don't have to talk to anybody, we can just do it with the data that we have collected already. And do you, these folks get paid, the people in the uh, sample? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, depending upon the supplier relationship, they can be. There's all sorts of currencies that exist. Sometimes we work with companies that offer rewards. So think of American Airlines or think of um, uh, Macy's. Um, anybody like that that has a list or a rewards program in place, we can team with them. More traditionally, there are what are called panel companies, and so they've out. They've gone out and actually gotten people to raise their hand and say, hey, I'd like to take surveys. And then they use various, whether it's cash, whether it's points, whether it's whatever currency, they will reward those people for being involved in various activities. I think I just found my new side hustle. There, there you go. <laughs> now, Johnny, when we think of managing a physical office space or a factory, our assumption is that whoever is the manager of that physical plant is on the spot. I get the sense, though, that with hundreds of people in an office on Poitier Street, that it's not necessarily how physical resource management works these days. So can you give us sort of an accurate for dummies uh, introduction as to what it is you do and your fellow New Orleans uh, employees do? Yeah, if, uh, me personally, what I do for the office? Yeah, yeah, great question. So I was lucky enough and, and blessed enough to, uh, to get this job in January of 2018. And uh, our company, which is 1,700 employees uh, globally, um, decided to open up a space here and add 350 more. Um, Austin is our corporate office, and with uh, the competition of Facebook, Google, VRBO, and uh, anyone under the sun, they, they started looking at where is a place that we could open up that um, really follows our ideology and beliefs and um, what are our, our values. So we looked at New Orleans, Charlotte, and Nashville, and we kept coming back to New Orleans. Um, we have humility, grit, integrity, drive to excellence, uh, winning attitude, food. and integrity, and food, and entertainment. <laughs> yes. So um, we essentially wanted to build a secondary headquarters here, not as large as our corporate office in Austin, but a mini version of, of Austin. 
So my job on a day-to-day basis is uh, part CEO, part operations, part facilities, part uh, people, part recruiting, part culture and engagement, part learning and development. So Yes, Yes, uh, that's right. So I have a a strong background in in startup companies. So um, wearing many hats is a specialty of mine. And so they wanted me to stand up the office um, and create a winning culture to where as we grow uh, different offices, they could come and see the success we've had. And we've had that over 16, 17 months now with 67 employees. So my employees range from engineers. So we have developers, testers. um, We have product managers. We have uh, sales reps. We have uh, project managers, consultants, DevOps. So again, it's a mini version essentially of what Austin is and will continue to build out to about 350 people. Well, Johnny, I sort of get a uh, part of it. Like I, I will go to a mall or an office building and whatever it says on the building, there's a little plaque that says managed by some, is that you, what you guys do? Well, that's, that's, we, we do a lot of things. We have 47 different software, software solutions that we provide to, as you mentioned earlier, from universities to healthcare to retail, essentially 11 different verticals. So um, an example of our software um, and what we do is, um, is, is our uh, work with Whole Foods. And Whole Foods uses our software, one of our pieces of software, on the refrigeration and uh, freezers and if the temperature falls below a, um, a certain degrees after the store is closed it'll, it will alert someone off-site that we have an issue and it allows them to go in to make sure that they don't lose all the items in the freezer or the, or the refrigeration. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Johnny Culpepper from Accruent and Andy Ellis from Lucid. Andy, why would a company outsource this as opposed to uh, trying it internally? Is it cost? Is it the fact you know what you're doing? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in, in the case of Lucid, um, it, it's often, it, it's, it's almost not even outsourcing. So if you look at um, the, the very traditional space that we first served, which would be the market research industry, um, we are a component part of what they do. So they are researchers by nature. They have great data scientists on staff. They have uh, people who care a lot about sample frames, as you mentioned in your introduction. Um, and those are the things that they're very good at. What they don't want to do is invest their time and energy in going and fi- finding the raw resource that's required to make this happen. And in our case, the raw resource, and quite frankly, the most important uh, resource in the whole thing is the consumer, is the individual who's going to share their journey, share their likes, share their dislikes with us, and ultimately, therefore, the, the consumer. And so, again, you know, the, there are things that they specialize in and things that we specialize in. Um, more and more, what becomes interesting with Lucid and the technology that we've created is that we make what is called survey sample, sample, um, available on demand. And so fundamentally, we've changed the the industry and, and even beyond the industry, because as you make sample available on demand, no longer do you have to necessarily have the same purchase path to sample. Um, and we also look at it more in a questions economy than a survey economy almost. And so again, you look at those two things, and it starts to open up sample to many more players than ever existed before, because the technology makes it very simple versus making it a complex purchase path in the past. Now, John, I have to kind of ask you the same question. You're, uh, do you approach companies by really just laying it out dollars and cents on why it's better off to outsource it with you than? Yeah, and I, I would, you know, kind of piggyback on what Andy said, you know, um, you know, Tulane University, 
Whole Foods, Starbucks, they specialize in certain things. They're good at coffee, they're good at education, good at groceries. So as they scale and those a school, university gets larger, we can handle their um, their facilities with our software. So a light bulb needs to change, we can make sure we're, we're going to each classroom to change the light bulb. Uh, Whole Foods already gave you an example of refrigeration. Yeah. So Yes. Um, could they do it on a store-by-store store basis? Sure. But as you're, you're talking about hundreds of stores, uh, hundreds of coffee locations, they need something that's, uh, that can, they can use from store to store. And so, again, they're coming to us for those, those sorts of solutions. And Andy, um, I, I get a big kick out of surveys in general, particularly political surveys, when they, they call you on the phone. It's like, would you reelect? Donald Trump or would you rather eat glass you know it's like uh, things like that and and so it's all about the wording yes Um, I guess it is for you guys when you're doing this it is I mean again we're typically not in the business of survey design or the actual interpretation of the results we we purposely stay out of that kind of what we were just talking about we do what we're very good at and that is sourcing the respondents and 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 matching them to the inventory so uh, to back up a a couple steps in our case we've built effectively a marketplace of connecting um, survey takers um, and and uh, research agencies or ad agencies or PR companies, anybody who needs to get information and, and have, find information that's not currently available. And so that marketplace operates very much like a Uber, right? Riders and drivers, in our case, we have suppliers of, of survey takers and uh, uh, survey inventory. Um, on any given day, we have 12,000 live projects in our, in our system, and we have a million and a half to two million people passing through an attempt to get matched to one of the quota groups in one of those surveys. Um, and so it's um, a matter of specialization, as we were just talking about. In our case, it's not about the survey design, although you're absolutely right. Um, if you talk to researchers, right, that one of the things that the, the research industry holds itself very um, beholden to is tr- create questions that aren't biased. Um, now, that's pretty hard to do, if not nearly impossible. Um, so there's, there is industries that um, kind of surface around research, where you get a lot of what you're, what you're talking about in terms of kind of flaky questions, but the research <laughs> industry itself, again, if you go to the, the core traditional researchers, one of the things that is very important to them is asking questions in a non-biased sense. Now, we can be the judge of how well they do that at times, but they certainly try. You would seem to be a lot better at doing that than the company itself, and there's an answer they want a lot of times. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and again, we also are a couple steps removed, right? So they're representing the, the customer directly that wants to know if it's, you know, Coca-Cola, do you like the Diet Coke can or not? Um, they may have an opinion, right? We don't have an opinion by the time we get involved, and so just asking the, the question for what it is is, is certainly what we're good at. Uh, but again, there's typically a, a research science, a research construct that's built around that, um, and, and we don't pretend to play. Our, our, our goal in life is to be very good at what we do and not to try to venture too far from that. And John, I've got to ask you, you not only moved the company or moved a portion of it over here to New Orleans from Austin, but then a couple of months later, you were bought out, right? That's right, yeah. Boy, a lot of uh, balls in the air. I didn't know if you were going to bring that question Well, (laughs) I read Uh, a lot. Yes, um, so we were... um, we, we started our company, our founder is Mark Friedman. He actually went to Tulane Business School, um, and he graduated, went back home to San Francisco, and uh, his family owned a lot of commercial and um, uh, commercial real estate across San Francisco, and they had, I think, 150 different properties. 
and they kept uh, losing track of, of things that they needed to keep track of uh, on the real estate side. And so essentially they were having to pay, pay for uh, different penalties again. So he's, he created this real estate asset management software. So from 95 till 2018, um, we were bought and sold by four different private equity uh, oh, companies. Oh, right. So in August of uh, 2018, we were purchased by a company called Fortiv, which is based in Everett, Washington. Uh, we were purchased for $2 billion, and they are a publicly traded company. So, so you so are yeah, a part of a public That's correct. Company. So that's um, obviously when that happens, uh, you know, you don't know what the direction of the company is going to go. Um, it's so far so good? Uh, amazing, yeah. So we've, uh, they've purchased in the last three years six other companies, and they allow us to operate uh, as an opco. So if you go to our website, you can't tell that we're um, owned by Fortive. Um our strategies have not changed. It's been eight months now. Um, we've they bought you because they liked what you were doing. That's correct. So, uh, so yeah, um, um, they've actually have talked about staffing New Orleans more when we're talking about New Orleans, adding a few resources. Um, I like them what, already. What is, yes, I do too. What's <laughs> exciting, they have tools and processes that we can actually implement uh, at Accruent. It's called uh, Fortive Business Solutions. So I've actually been tasked to start working with Fortive, and uh, I'll be in charge of implementing a few things on the people side and some some sales side uh, that they do really well that maybe we're not doing the best of. So we'll, we'll get some coaching and teaching from them in that regard. But for the most part, as you said, they, they bought us for a reason because we're good at what we do. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Johnny Culpepper from Accruent and Andy Ellis from Lucid. We'll be right back after this very short break. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Johnny Culpepper from Recruent and Andy Ellis from Lucid. Andy and Johnny, this is the part of the show we call your brother-in-law. You're getting a bit of time to yourself in your office to catch up on email. When your phone rings, it's your brother-in-law. He usually only calls when he's looking for a job for a girl he met at the airport, but this time it's different. This time, he's got a great idea for you. Andy, your brother-in-law says he's looking for a new challenge. He got let go from his job at the airport, and he wants to start his own business. He's not exactly sure what business, but he's making you an offer to go in it with him. All you have to do is use your research to tell him what business is going to work in Kenner. He'll do whatever you say, lawnmower repair, fine dining restaurant, whatever. He'll do all the work and cut you in for 15% of the profits if you just point him in the foolproof direction. What do you tell your brother-in-law? Can you help him open a successful business in Kenner? It's interesting. I mean, one of the things that's, uh, that's quite interesting about what we've built, and, and if you look at marketplaces in general, you know, they're, they're, they are doing very well in today's economy. Um, the the rent-not-own version of things seems to be uh, proliferating. Um, and and we're, you know, we're a, a case in point there. Um, our ability to go wide and go deep is better than anybody else. The cost of building out your assets, right, panel assets, as we talked about earlier, which is the individual's signing 
train up all the individuals to do this. Well, you build up a big U.S. panel, and then all of a sudden you need a healthcare section, a niche, and then you need a B2B niche. Oh, and then you got to go build your U.K. panel and your Vietnam panel, and before you know it, you know, you, you've run yourself crazy. Our model affords us to be able to do all those things and, and diversify in that sense, but not have to have any operating capital to do it other than recruiting those new suppliers into our ecosystem, which because they can make money in our ecosystem is not usually hard. All of that said is we can actually go into a very localized area and ring fence that uh, location and, and interview people within that geography, uh, which is, is pretty rare. Um, so combining the technology piece of what we are and combining the marketplace piece of what we are, uh, you know, based upon what brother-in-law's business model may or may not be, we actually could do some local research, research for him and, and identify uh, if he might or might not be successful. Somebody's getting a nail shop on Williams Boulevard. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> now, Johnny, your brother-in-law has a great idea for you. He's, he's from here, and he knows how hard it is to get really good people to stay here. He says the way to get people to stay here is to turn them into an insider. He's come up with something he's called AIE, the Accruent Insider Edge. Actually, he says AIE will work in any city, but he's offering to run the pilot program for you here. The way it works is this. If you work for Accruent, you get a series of special insider privileges, a discount at Commander's Palace, a free day at Jazz Fest, and you get to ride in Toth at Mardi Gras, stuff like that. Your brother-in-law says if you can bring him on at Accruent, he'll set the whole thing up for you. What do you say? Is your brother-in-law onto a halfway decent idea for employee retention? Uh, no doubt, but I, if he if he gave me the idea, I wouldn't uh, hire my brother-in-law. I, I would just take the idea and run with it. <laughs> I can save on I can save on salary, but um, yeah, it sounds like we're talking really about uh, most honest guest ever. Yeah. By the way, it is. <laughs> I would, yeah, um, I think you're really getting to how do you uh, retain the? I'm sure. Um, all of us here in New Orleans and, and companies that are building and growing like Lucid and ourselves, how do we, re, how do we retain our employees? How do we, how do we keep a, an environment where they won't look for the next job or look to leave uh, our beautiful city? And you mentioned something I saw in an interview where you said we were starting to, on the tech side, get to some critical mass. Um, what did you mean by that? The fact we have enough different tech companies, they feed sure. from each other? Yeah, a lot of people look at it like um, there's two schools of thought. Some people look at the amount of tech jobs and companies that are here now in New Orleans. They're um, somewhat nervous and even frightful. Can we fill the jobs? I'm always kind of like the person that looks on uh, the positive things. If you build it, they will come. For years, and I've been here 19 years, we've had companies leave. Um, we haven't had people invest back into our economy. Now we're having that. Uh, there's got to be a reason for someone to move, as we've had from Boston or Seattle or Austin or Chicago. We've had employees move here. They know that not only is, is there a job available with the crewman, but there's now lucid and dxc oh, if things don't work out and, yeah you've got to have another one and uh, obviously we want them to work out with us but in reality uh, sometimes that doesn't happen so you know the the more we have the more people will come it is a beautiful city and it is a beautiful place to live and there's a, a lot to offer um, but if we don't have those jobs people can't in individually or with their family come in and invest back into our city without you know having that uh, that safety net 
and Andy, I'm going to ask you kind of odd question. Lucid has changed their names three times. And uh, usually when people do that, they're running from the law. But it is, uh, why, why have you done it? Yeah, I think, I think it's just the, the evolution and, and um, really the evolution of our company and, and what Lucid is. Like, I remember um, we, we used to have uh, signs in the airport for Federated that's Sample. That's right, Federated Sample. Why the move from there to Lucid? The yeah, because one. Federated Sample was um, a, a prescriptive thing and, and didn't really, most of the world couldn't read Federated Sample and understand what it meant, right? There was not an implication of who and what we were unless you operated in our industry. Um, sample is not a common word, uh, especially survey sample right. out there. Um, so something that was more encompassing. It was also very focused on one side of our business, which was that traditional kind of survey world. And as we look to innovate those products, as we look to move into the advertising space and other places, uh, the brand Lucid is much more, it covers who and what we are much more effectively. Because regardless of what product set, regardless of, you know, if it's a, a software solution or a service solution, regardless of any of those things, we are still providing providing light, we're shedding light where it was dark before, right? We're providing a level of information where people were lacking before. And so Lucid was a very good, you know, all-encompassing name for us. So you've been able to monetize all of this. Just tell somebody, like I assume, Andy, that you don't just give them a, um, oh, a, a pie chart or something like that. You, you tell them how to, how to use it. Yeah, there's, well, in both sides, again, because we operate a marketplace, we have a, a customer on the supply side of that marketplace. And we have a customer on the buy side of that marketplace. And so if you look at the, the supply side in particular, really anything or anybody that has a community, right, whether it's a, um, a blog and, and there's a community of followers, <clears throat> As I talked about earlier, if you have a rewards program, if you have a, um, a base of customers, whatever it is, you could literally monetize that on our platform. You could open those people up to opportunities in our platform. The, the difficulty for the, the traditional space has been their surveys were 30 minutes long or, or 35 minutes long. How long will people put up with that, by the way? Well, it, what we're learning is actually uh, two things. One, they don't want to put up for it very long. Um, you're much more likely to be <laughs> successful if you have sh less, fewer questions. But number two, it's actually interesting. Interesting, and, and our founder, Patrick Comer, we call it Comer's Law after him because it was his first uh, observation in our data. Um, but there is the quality goes up, and it's kind of common sense once you think about it, um, but quality goes up the shorter the survey. Back in the early 2000s, when the entrepreneurial tech boom started in New Orleans, we started making Out to Lunch as a podcast. At that time, people would frequently ask us what we were going to do after the first six shows, uh, after we'd presumably talked to everybody with an interesting business. Then, after the first year or so, they'd ask us what we're going to do when the tech boom was over and these entrepreneurial people moved on to other cities. Andy, the growth and success of Lucid is the best answer to any questions of doubt about the strength and future of New Orleans business. And Johnny, the arrival of Accruent is a testament to the ongoing faith people in American business have in our city and the people here. It's been an absolute pleasure to have lunch with you two gentlemen. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Andy. Appreciate it.
My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Andy Ellis, Chief Revenue Officer of Lucid, and Johnny Culpepper, Director of New Orleans Accruent. You can find out more about Lucid and Accruent by following the links on our website, itsneworleans.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle, and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. You can listen to the show and to past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts, including Spotify and at itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com, on It's New Orleans' Facebook page, and at It's New Orleans on Instagram. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace. For more business, New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday to Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music, and dinner seven nights a week. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, and by Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie, the It's New Orleans Happy Hour podcast, and by Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world.